Hello there. A little bit of an interesting circumstance with today's podcast. We actually had breaking news right at the end of the pod with Peyton Bowen committing to Oklahoma. And as you'll hear here coming up in the podcast, we do break down the saga, everything that kind of went on, give you a little bit of the timeline, and then talk about his potential fit at Oregon. But go ahead and disregard all of that because he's going to be a Sooner. Welcome to the Flock Pod. We are at hashtag 136 here at beautiful Chopper Base. The Avateria producers are sleeping away on their new bed in the living room. They love that little stress-free fuzzy thing that I got them for Christmas. It's fantastic. If you'd please be so kind, go find us at the Flock Pod on all of your major podcast streaming platforms. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. Give us the five-star ratings. Make sure you're getting that fresh flockness in your feed every time we put out a new episode. Also, please go find us on all of your major social media channels at the Flock Pod. You can find me at Coach Justin D on those same social media channels. Shay, tell them where you are. You can find me at bartendershane6 on Twitter and at walkoflockashane6 on Instagram. You know, it was such a running joke in our first couple episodes for me to like laugh at Waka Flocka, and I haven't done it in a really long time. And I just, you know, I just, I don't know, I reminisced a little bit about that. That's, yeah, you know, jokes, those were good times. Jokes tend to lose steam after about three or four years, though. This is true. Yeah, yeah. this is true. This is true. And we are, of course, joined on today's ginormous episode by Mr. Duxwire himself, Zachary Neal. Zach, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm happy to be talking to you guys. I'm not going to lie. I am tired <laughs> it's been a long couple of days but a couple of really good days for oregon fans so i'm excited to to get deep into it with all you guys it's kind of the epitome of being a college sports fan right now the last oh seven days of duck fandom just the highs and the lows and the roller coaster ride that is um you know having a fanatic like approach to uh college kids and <laughs> i will say though most days out of the year i'm fairly envious of zach's job and what he does around this time not really not really i saw those articles coming out i was reading them i was like this is like a lot of work we've been putting in like the the 18 to 20 hour days over the past couple so it's yep. been uh there's been a lot of coffee brewing in my house i'll tell you that much no doubt. And a new father on top of that. The man can do it all, ladies and gentlemen. So make sure to go to duckswire.usatoday.com. Click those links. And you know what? Just when you see those links on social media, give them a click. Even if you just close it right away, just give it a click. The clicks are good. Everybody likes clicks. Uh, let's make sure that uh, this guy keeps that website rocking and rolling for as long as possible. All right. We have dilly-dallied long enough. We have a huge podcast to get to today. Of course, early National Signing Day yesterday. It was a really fun day on Duck Twitter. A uh, really good time. Uh, I had the uh, the YouTube, the 24-7 YouTube pulled up and was watching that for a couple hours. We can talk about that a little bit also, just the coverage of recruiting and how interesting that whole world is. But first, before we get to that, let us first talk about one key player that is, of course, taking their talents to the next level. Noah Sewell headed to the NFL. 
NFL. Uh, this was that last hope that I was kind of clinging on to, you know, that he might come back, you know, that he and Bo were going to make a pact and lead this team to the promised land together. But, you know, as Shane, and I think you also talked about Zach, just being a linebacker, the position that he plays, the wear and tear that your body takes, go get that big bag as quickly as possible. So I'm not sure if there's a whole lot to talk about here other than what round do you guys project him going here in the NFL draft? Because I think it's it's kind of a mercurial option right now. He could go as high as, you know, he's like you guys mentioned earlier, projected into the first round, but we could see him dropping maybe fifth or sixth round. So where do you guys kind of project that right now? Zach, go ahead. I kind of think that, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I thought he might come back. Um, I think early in the season, he was projected as a, a first round pick. I mean, if people saw his talent, what he'd done at Oregon, he didn't really have that great of a season. I mean, yes, he was, he was productive. His stats just didn't really show how good he really is. Um, I've seen that he's kind of being projected as a day two guy. I mean, second to third or fourth round. Um I'm not sure that he's making this decision based off money. I think it's more based on opportunity and trying to get to the next level while, <clears throat> excuse me, while he's still healthy. Um, like we were talking about that linebacker position, but I think that if he, I would not be surprised if the ducks told him that they'd pay him the type of money he was going to get in NIL deals to stay at Oregon for another year. Um, because I, once you get out of the first round, those, those NFL deals drop a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little bit, I can't say I'm shocked to see him go. I thought it was kind of 50, 50. I wouldn't have been shocked to see him return either, but um, obviously we wish him the best. His, uh, his career at Oregon was very fun to cover. Yeah. I think uh, I could honestly see him kind of like backdooring his way into like the, the first round again, um, potentially with, uh, with just, like I said before, with, his measurables and like when they, when they see, you know, what he's like physically. And I mean, just a player like him, he's got that dog in him too. I mean, it's, and it's going to, he's going to end up kind of eventually kind of looking more like a value pick. I mean, they're going to say like, yeah, maybe he had a little bit of a disappointing season, but I think that with, with how he was projected, I think that's going to be something that kind of might benefit him in that second round there. Be like, well, this guy, you know, he was projected the first round going into last year. So I think he kind of that might end up benefiting him a little bit. And we know that like, you know, numbers are huge and it's how we like to quantify things. But these scouts don't necessarily look at that that much. I mean, you look at Troy Dye's career and he's just just racking up numbers. And then he's kind of had to like earn his way in the spot in the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I think that when they look at the game tape and then they just get him in the room and they're able to evaluate him in person, I think that it's going to climb a little bit. But that being said, I would say probably second or third round, if I was to guess. Yeah, I think it's going to be middle of the second round. Um, I was actually just looking up. as I was surprised to see that his brother, I couldn't remember, but he went undrafted last year, Nephi Sewell, um, and mm-hmm. got signed at least to an un- undrafted um, free agent contract. But yeah, I think I think middle of the second round, I think he'll pop enough at the combine. I think people will look deeper into the film and kind of see some of those special plays. So yeah, as always, all the best to the Wolverine. Uh, can't wait to root for you on Sundays and Mondays. I think one of the one of the sneaky biggest losses in all of us is that the the duck fans are losing the Sewell family now. I mean yes. they don't mm. I don't think they have any uh any more Sewells to pop out and come <laughs> through the program. So they've been a lot of fun. They've been really interactive with a lot of the fans online and at games and everything. So um I know that that's gonna be a big loss for Oregon Twitter at least and a lot of the Oregon fans. You know, you you lose a Sewell and you gain an Uyungle. So, you know, we can just kind of we can kind of go with that. But uh, before we get into that commitment, 
we have to talk about this Peyton Bowen saga. Uh, this has been um, just an incredible up and down on Twitter. Um, I was really enjoying the the Notre Dame sadness just all over Twitter. Uh, got into a little uh, engagement, whatnot. Um, but it's just it's just been interesting. So Zach, if you can kind of just give us more of like a breakdown, you know, of kind of how this whole thing has gone um, from your perspective, and then Shane and I can kind of give more of the the fan perspective here. But yeah, give just give us a little bit of a timeline here, if you will. This one's been wild, man. I mean, I think that when all is said and done, I don't. I mean the the saga is not over yet. There's no, still a couple of dominoes to drop. I mean, he's still, he is not signed anywhere right now. I'm sure once your the listeners are, are hearing this, it's possible that it's over. He's either with Oregon or Oklahoma or Notre Dame or Georgia or Texas, wherever he ends up going. Um, but this one's been wild, man. I think it's going to go down as one of the crazier recruiting stories in the past, you know, decade, at least we'll see how it ends up. But um, I know that the Ducks were pushing really hard for him over the past couple of weeks. There were rumors that it was down to, you know, Oregon and Oklahoma instead of Notre Dame where he was committed. And then it seemed like Oklahoma took the lead. It seemed like Oregon fell out of it. I was told the night before signing day that, hey, Oregon still feels pretty good about being able to land him. Uh, there were predictions right before his announcement yesterday morning that, no, it's probably Notre Dame. Um, and then he he put on a Notre Dame hat. And he made his commitment and he threw it aside, put on an Oregon hat and uh, everyone in Oregon Twitter and, you know, the Oregon fan base just went crazy. Uh, this was one of this was probably the story of the recruiting world yesterday of signing day because um, it's just a massive flip. A five star guy, number two safety in the nation, I think number 14 player overall um, and Oregon fans were ecstatic about it as they should have been. But then over the next few hours, his, <clears throat> excuse me, his letter of intent never really came in. And we kept waiting and waiting for the official announcement from the team. Uh, we're still waiting. And there were rumors last night that continued today that, hey, he's having maybe second thoughts, conversations with Oklahoma and Notre Dame ongoing that he might commit elsewhere. So the latest news um, that I've seen is that you know, it's a heavy lean for Oklahoma and the Ducks have an uphill battle to try and get him. Um, I saw that Oklahoma has like an NIL um, group that tweeted out a picture of him welcoming him to Oklahoma. And then they since deleted that tweet. So basically, long story short, no one really knows what's happening outside of Bowen and his family. And um, we're going to see when the news drops. It very well could be that any second here I have to go black for a second to um, get that news up because it could drop any minute. Go ahead, Shane. I mean, this is, this is just too good. It's just, it's such a great, great college football story. Someone's going to make a movie out of this, but yeah, go ahead, Shane. So first off, I saw that he said that the hat switch wasn't premeditated. Get the fuck out of here. So he said that he didn't know what his decision was going to be until he picked up the hats. So, but there was, so it was, it was only two hats on the table, correct? And correct. Notre, Notre Dame, and, Dame Oregon. and Oregon. And Oklahoma now Oklahoma is, not on the table. is somehow like Oklahoma Twitter sees themselves as the favorite. Like this is bizarre. And I mean, like, I don't know. I, I was kind of like, so I, you know, I, I saw that before I ever watched a second of him play. And I was kind of like, man, do we, is this a guy like in this new era of college football where like, you know, 
Justin Flo's already gone and like this and that, that is this guy that we really want that like, you know, is, is flip flopping around like at the last second when it's like, dude, did you just start thinking about this? No, then I went and watched him play and I was like, holy shit, we need to get this guy at all costs. Like, who, <laughs> yeah. who cares? Like, yes, this is absolutely <laughs> a guy that we want. Because I was like, incredibly good. I was trying to like to almost talk myself like out of it. It's like my initial thought was like, all right, you know, like I don't know if we necessarily like this is like the the caliber of personality that we want coming in at this time. Like when you when you look at a guy like like Seven McGee who was just locked in the whole time, and, and then he eventually you know left after <laughs> you know a year or two years, but like almost left after a season, and but and then I'm watching the film and I'm trying to like you know formulate some some of these things that like coincide with that idea like yeah i'm gonna come in hot and say we don't want this guy and i watched like 10 minutes of film and i was like dude i may send us to go get him like we need to do anything like <laughs> I, I get it i get it so i i imagine at this point like you know he he makes that switch to oregon and some schools look at him as fairly undecided they read some of those reports in the first like hour or two in that time and then they're like all right let's just like hey Here's a Bentley and uh, you can fly around in the private jet during the off season. Like, I don't know what they're offering him at this point. Cause then at this point, yeah, I'm sure it's kind of like, and then there's a, like, it, you know, like that, like his family didn't know he was going to switch. And like, people were upset about that. I was reading some of that stuff. I don't really want to speculate too much on that because we just don't know them, but yeah, bizarre, but fucking stellar, stellar athlete. So it's, 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 it's crazy. I mean, so he is slash was a guy, depending on when what's happened when you're listening to this, that could be an instant impact player and a potential starter at safety for Oregon next year. The Ducks have uh, holes at the safety spot in the secondary. We don't really know what's going to happen with Jamal Hill, Steve Stevens, Brian Addison, guys like that. We know that Bennett Williams is gone. Uh, I'm told that that was a big part of the sales pitch for Oregon is telling Peyton that, hey, you can come to Eugene and be an instant starter from day one. You have the talent to be able to do that. Um, I also saw that Oklahoma today announced that they got a a transfer safety from, I think, Mm -hmm. Texas A&M. And it's just like, I I don't know. It's weird. I I do know, I'm pretty sure his girlfriend uh, plays soccer at Oklahoma, so that people are saying is a factor in all this he's he's a texas kid family probably wants him to stay close to home i don't know there's a million different ways you can go to this i'm just looking forward to it all coming to an end whether that means he ends up in oregon or oklahoma or notre dame you know at this point i want him to to send that letter of intent somewhere so i'm gonna tell you guys a little story in 2013, there was this running back in Arkansas, this five-star kid, Alex Collins. And Alex really wanted to go to Arkansas, but his mom, or actually he was from Florida, excuse me. But his mom really wanted him to stay home at Florida. So the point that after Alex committed and signed his letter of intent, his mom stole that letter and then just kind of disappeared for a little while. Um, If you guys remember, Alex Collins was actually a running back for the Baltimore Ravens for a couple years. Anybody that's played fantasy football definitely knows that name. I guarantee you've picked him up off a waiver wire and dropped him. Or lost uh, because of him. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's this kind of a situation, but it's it's the closest thing that I could find when I was just kind of Googling around and crazy recruiting stories. 
Um, you know, the, the internet's gone wild with his mom's reaction, you know, to his recruitment, but some of that could also just be his, their surprise in general, because, you know, maybe they, he was going back and forth. So it's interesting as always, uh, the flock pod is, is player friendly. We want this kid to go to the best possible situation where he can succeed. And if he sees that at Oregon, that's fantastic. And I, I really hope that is the case. Oh. Oh, we, we may have not the news. It's just an update. Okay. Uh, Jackson Arnold, the five-star Oklahoma quarterback signee who was high school teammates with Peyton Bowen just tweeted a gif of like the Napoleon dynamite. Like, yes, we got him. Okay. Interesting. So leaning Oklahoma right now. Yeah. Leaning, I, mean, I would it, say the yeah, pie it's, chart is it's a heavy lean to Oklahoma. Let's put the pie chart at like 40, 30, 30, something like that. So it's we'll just see like, what happens. It like it, this whole commitment signing day, like this thing, it's just, it's <laughs> such bullshit. Like it's so <laughs> funny. Like he's down to two schools and now he's going to go to the, like the third one. It's like, it's like when we first started doing this podcast and we used to like break down, like which, guys had like Oregon their top 12 and their top eight and stuff and just like it you know learning it what kind of like waste of time that was and now just to have it just like snowball even more and more and more to where it's like I don't know it, it until I see them in the uniform I don't believe shit <laughs> well it's so funny because I mean I hear what you're saying but like this is my world at this point, you know, like not like my whole world, but like, this is my work life like this. I'm so ingratiated in it. And the night before signing day, I was laying in bed with my wife, Mac. And she was just kind of like asking me some questions about like what I was like, what I'd been working so hard on and what I was preparing for. And I like kind of gave her like the scoop on all this stuff. And I'm talking about potential flips and five stars and crystal balls and going into it all. And she just like, after I like got talking, like, got done talking for a while she was just kind of looking at me and she's like you sound insane right now <laughs> like, she's like what are you taught like crystal balls what are you talking about and i was like yeah from an outside oh perspective god. this sounds completely crazy oh but my god i mean fans get so into it and it i mean it pays a lot of my bills talking yeah, about no. it and oh, getting man. into it so the I fact do that it, i can but, see mac it, saying that and yeah. like so like just like direct it's so good she's just like <laughs> you sound insane <laughs> like yeah i understand oh, and it's like my. like and it gets you can go even like deeper than that like composite rankings and well espn and on oh, three and 12 year seven and it's like it, it's it's wild and then like how many of these guys like <laughs> Like just some flow, you know what I mean? Like I can't even like play in pass coverage at all. And like yeah. we, we were looking at him like he was just like this immediate like national championship. So it's it's so weird. And like it's almost hard like going through in like the past two days, been watching all this tape, and like it, it's so hard to even like see the talent level that they're playing against sometimes. You see him like stiff arm this kid, and you're like, Oh, like what a play, you know, like this guy, you know, he can obviously run through anything who knows if that was like a third string kid who's like a freshman who's terrified to be out there like we have no idea 
So with that said, we're going to jump into all these recruits that just came in <laughs> and uh, make sure to definitely stick around. Please don't turn the podcast oh, off. Uh, but yeah, uh, we got some, we got some exciting. I think, you know, once they, once they send in the, I, I don't think anything is serious until I see like an Oregon football official, like tweet something out or put it out on their Instagram. That's kind of the gospel that I always go to because then it, it really does show that it's signed, sealed, delivered at that point. Kind of. Well, and that's one thing too, where I've got, I mean, a, a group chat with all my family and they're obviously duck fans. And um, yesterday morning after the Peyton news came out and then the uh, Uyunglele news came out, they were, my brother texted, he's like, go ducks. This is insane. And my dad's like, well, someone please explain what's happening. And we t- <laughs> told him the two five-star committed and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, but like, what does any of this really matter? Uh, they can flip whenever they want. I was like, Usually you're right, but today is when it actually does matter because they're signing. They're here for at least a year until they can transfer if they want to. But yes, while recruiting a lot of the time, I agree with Shane. It's kind of nonsense until they sign. Now it it means something because these guys are signed. They're coming to Eugene. Um, Yeah, this yesterday was a a big day um, in recruiting, obviously, and it, it finally means something now. Well, and I guess I don't want to, you know, we've already gone off the rails here a couple times, but I guess that's where yesterday was kind of surreal for me just as a Duck fan, you know, hearing, you know, Oregon dominate the the national conversation. Um, man, I sat and watched Oregon play like Portland State, like when I was like six years old in a game that was so foggy, you could barely see the game. And it was a good game, you know, against Portland State, you know, and it's just this program has come so far in such a short amount of time that it was just I just I'm, I'm grateful I'm grateful to have this team you know to root for here I'm, I'm grateful to 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 have this experience to have this podcast with you guys like it was just it was it was a nice day yesterday and so I think that's the biggest thing that us duck fans need to remember is you know it, it we've come so far so quickly and and to appreciate that not cool. to not to get greedy you know to appreciate that and to be contrary to everything I was just saying about recruiting, like the, the part of this that I do like that I do enjoy is Dan Lanning just proved something. Cause he went out there and he went horn to horn with not only PAC 12 programs, but you're looking at guys who are considering Ohio state, Oklahoma, like the, the who's who of college football and these perennial teams that have been putting themselves in the college football invitational over and over again, the past few years. So it's been it, it's it's great to see it. You see that video this morning of Dan Lanning firing up that stogie oh, and like looking in the camera so and listening to Ice Cube and just saying like, yeah, I fucking did it. And like, so any <laughs> any questions that, you know, a lot of Duck fans had after losing to your two rival schools and having somewhat of a disappointing year after this really disappointing end of the season with Cristobal and then having him take off and, you know. Duck fans are kind of looking around like, is this the end of this cool era that we've had here? And it's definitely not. If anything, it's the beginning of something bigger. So I think this yesterday and what we're going to carry into the rest of this week with the signing day, it's it's evidence of like the train is still on the tracks. Well, and how about just like the turnaround from three days ago? It was on yeah. it was Monday when five star QB Dante Moore decommitted and flipped to UCLA. And that's when like all hell was breaking loose and the, the sky was falling on duck Twitter because like Dan Lanning can't recruit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, three days later, he turns around and signs one of the best classes that Oregon has ever seen. Um, it's just, yeah, like I, I'm just kind of repeating your point. That was going to be one of my last takes is 
screeching patience, which I think I've done a million times on this podcast, but it's like, I, that's why I didn't want to do it for the last take. It's like, yeah, I've said this over and over and over again, but if oh, you were so patient true, and you let him, you let him do his job and kind of go through it all and pivot, get another quarter, steal a quarterback from another school after losing your own and be ruthless and do what he came to Eugene to do. You were rewarded for that. If you thought the sky was falling, then you kind of looked pretty stupid yesterday. I mean, it's it, it's it's hard not to keep saying it at nauseum, though. When like when Dante Manning like you know flips, flips Dante Moore, Dante Moore, Dante Moore sorry, and, and it's like, of course he wasn't gonna fucking come to a school to back up Bo Nix for a season. Yeah. Like, are we like you have to kind of look around the the state of college football? Like, why is Caleb Williams playing for USC? You know what I mean? Like these things they they mean something. And so when it's like Bo Nix comes back and it's like, oh, and we, then he flipped to UCLA. It's like, what's Landing even doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was honestly like, I felt like I was taking crazy pills while that was going on in Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump into it, gentlemen. Five-star edge, Mateo Uyungle, uh, out of California, six foot five, two sixty-five, out of Saint John Bosco's, the best high school, con- the best high school in the country uh, this past season. Uh, this kid's special. Um, I think I think he's special. Um, I want to hear. Uh, let's actually. I want to hear from Shane first on this one. <laughs> I um, knew you were doing that. I want. I want. I want to hear because I mean I did see some things. To, I mean again I you know broke down just a little bit of his highlights or what have you. I didn't get to watch any full game film yet. But uh, Shane, just let's hear your thoughts here on uh, Uyungle before, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, his brother and what he's going to do also. But yeah, go so, ahead, Shane. This is one of the things I was going to say for my last take, but I'm just going to say it now. I feel like whenever you start breaking down film and it's a five-star kid, it's weird because you watch it with a much different lens. And I was expecting to see just this dominance and this just like this huge, because I saw it like, you know, I was kind of tracking him. I knew that, you know, Oregon was a possibility for him. I, you know, that family, you see their dad and you're like, all right, let's see what the rest of these kids look like. And, uh, I was just wildly disappointed. Um, and it, it's kind of hard, like going back to what I was saying before, you don't really know what the the talent level, the competition is like that they're playing against. But I never saw anything really dominant. Um, you know, he, he made some good plays. He was getting in the backfield. He, he was kind of good at reading a lot of like the read option stuff, which is huge for, you know, the next level at college football, especially out here West here. But it wasn't like he was like bowling kids over and I'm sure he was going up against better talent than some of these other edge guys that I was watching on YouTube. And you know, you know, that with the state of, you know, high school football these days that not only are they playing the best teams regionally, but you know, they're traveling a lot more than they used to and playing good teams from all over. That being said, I just, I, I, he was like, he's kind of slow off the line of scrimmage. I didn't see anything really quick from him. It wasn't like he, you know, was taking on like big double teams. I was kind of seeing him get pushed around. I was honestly more impressed from what I saw from him at, on the offensive side of the ball. He's a great blocking tight end. And then he's able to just go up and just be physically dominant uh, when the ball's in the air. But to say that he was going to play tight end at the next level, I'd have a lot of questions. I want to see him run a few more routes first. But yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know if it was like my expectation just being a little bit too high because of like what he was billed to be. But I, he just didn't seem like a jump off the page five star kind of kid. I mean, it wasn't. That was why I kind of had that same filter when I was uh, looking at uh, Peyton Bowen, and I was kind of like, ah, eh, you know, I think I'm right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just viewing these five stars differently. And then I watched a little more, and I was like, nah, dude, this kid's fucking awesome. So, and I never 
I just I never once had that thought watching all of his is again his highlight tape where I was like man what a dominant athlete and the fact that it was like you know these videos that he's putting out on YouTube or you know people are putting out is 70% offense 30% defense is I'd say mildly alarming all right Zach I've, I've got a I've got a strong <laughs> rebuttal but I want to hear from you first go ahead it sounds like you're very pro him Shane's very anti him i'm gonna be classic like right in the middle um his tape does not you know it doesn't jump out at you it doesn't raise your eyebrows as much as a lot of five-star tapes will but um at this point i i know that i'm not a talent evaluator i'm not paid to watch tape and do all this i trust dan lanning and his staff and they went in and tried really hard to close and likely gave him a good amount of nil money to get him in eugene um, if they trust him and they want him on their team, they want to develop him. That's good enough for me to be bought in on him. Um, he's got a really cool story. I, I know that his dad, big Dave is, um, someone I've talked to before, really nice guy. Um, they're just, a, it's a really cool, awesome football family. And Mateo grew up a duck fan. I mean, he was bought into the ducks, uh, in the Chip Kelly era and loved DeAnthony Thomas and players like that. So, um, it was really cool. I know this this recruitment came down to Oregon, USC, and Ohio State. It felt like Oregon never really led this recruitment. Ohio State and USC were always kind of jockeying for the top spot. Came in late Tuesday night. The predictions started. Their, those crystal balls came in for uh, for Mateo to choose Oregon, which was crazy. Um, and then it it actually came to fruition on on Wednesday. So um, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited for his dad to be a part of the uh, Oregon Twitterverse now because he's definitely someone that's very loud and boisterous and fun on social media. So um, I think this is a huge get because this is a high profile kid. Um, this is a kid that other recruits see commit to Oregon and they're like, oh, okay. This this guy wants to go to Eugene. They're building something. He he knows something. Um, I want to go be a part of that as well. So um, I think that if you take the Peyton Bowen news away yesterday, I think this is easily the the number one commit that the Ducks got on the day. So St. John Bosco went thirteen and one last season. They were the Max Preps number one team in the entire country. Their only loss was to Major D, and they ended up beating them again later in the season. Uh, those were actually their only two close games of the entire season. They actually whopped Central Catholic from Portland 49 to nothing. Um, on aggregate, one of the toughest high school schedules across the country outside of Texas. So it's... I guess what I'm seeing from him is almost like what you see from some of those edges when they play in Georgia's system is they're asked to do things that are very specific to their scheme. And I think that's why he doesn't always jump out the page. That's why they, you know, chose the plays they did, I think, for those highlights. One thing I will agree with you, Shane, <clears throat> I think one of his best skills is diagnosing the RPO. He does a really, really great job of staying lateral, keeping his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. Um, and then he's very explosive um, and pursues the ball with intensity, to say the least. Um, he needs to work on his hands. I want to send him to like the Chris Long school of pass rushing, you know, just get a little bit more violent, mix up his hand attacks a little bit more. But um, even on the game tape that I watched, I think he really jumps off the film and I'm excited. My comp for him, I think he's like an Isaiah Simmons kind of player. 
Um, very, very similar with that ability to kind of drop back into pass coverage. Um, just barely missed a couple interceptions. Looks like he's got a crazy vertical also to go with that. I mean, he saw that on display when he was playing tight end too. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm excited to see what we can get out of him here. Um, like Zach said, the, the coaching staff, this is a guy that they're going to have to coach up, but I think that the, the talent is there to kind of, to drag out of him. So, um, I would say that I'm like, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm, he's not my favorite player out of this class from what I watched on film either. Do you guys think he's also, a day one starter? No. That's what I was just going to get into as well. He comes at a position of, of great need for Oregon. They need pass rushers. They need uh, some really good defensive linemen. Um, I don't know that he's going to have that massive impact uh, as a true freshman, but I think that, you know, 2024 2025 he can be a really really good player um i just i don't i'm curious to see how much we see from him in 2023 that's that's gonna be fun to watch during spring ball if he i'm pretty sure he's gonna enroll early and play in the spring and throughout the summer but uh he's got a he kind of looks like he's still got a little bit of baby fat on him and i just i want to see once he kind of matures a little bit and bulks up um what he can do for this defense well, it's like that. Remember that D end uh, went to Ohio State from Washington. Uh, JTT. Yeah, I mean, we. Yeah. I kind of forgot he existed for a little bit. It was like, oh man, this guy's gonna be the best player in the nation. And then like, and then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, did you hear about that guy who had like 19 touchdowns and 47 sacks today or whatever? And I was like, oh yeah, dude, that guy was supposed to be really good. That's right. So yeah, I mean that D end position is kind of hard to get uh, to be like a, a D, uh, day one impact man. That's why Kayvon was so uh, special. But wait, wasn't JTT a true freshman this year? Was he? I almost think he yeah. was. Yeah, he's a true freshman this year. Oh, yeah, but it did take so him about half kinda, the season. You know, it took him about half the year to get point. ingratiated into what they were doing. <laughs> that was but, only a year ago. Yeah, that was he like committed earlier. Yeah, this year I, I believe. Like I, yeah, he was a true freshman this year. That's wild, dude. That seemed like it was like three years ago that that, uh, that we were know. talking about where he was going to go. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump forward here. Five star wide receiver Jurion Dickey out of California, six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, Zach, you've been talking about Dickey for a long time here on the podcast, and how enamored you've been with him. Uh, what are what are some things that you're really excited about that he can bring to the Ducks? I love this kid. I mean, this is. I talked about it a lot. He's the second highest wide receiver commit to ever sign with Oregon. I mean, behind only Cameron Colvin. Um, he brings a, a body type and a size and a physicality that the Ducks don't really have on their roster right now. I mean, Troy Franklin's a, a tall, skinny dude. He's he's good on deep routes, but he's not really someone I always trust to go up and, and outbody a defender to get those those balls at the high point. That's something that Dickie can do very well. Uh, he's, I mean, like you said, 6'2", 210. He's a physical guy, and he's got some speed, too. Um, I, It's a very crowded wide receiver room, so I'm not sure that he's going to come in and be an instant like wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3. We'll see. I I mean, it wouldn't completely shock me, but I know that he's got his work cut out for him to, to see a lot of the field this season. But um, this is someone that, I mean, he was a staple of this recruiting class, and his his commitment or his signing yesterday was a little bit interesting because he, you know, he didn't sign in the morning at all. Duck fans were waiting. He put out a, a tweet that he was going to announce something on his Instagram at three. Uh, at three, he posted just a picture of himself and his brother in Oregon uniforms. Like, <laughs> I was like, I okay. guess that's something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, another announcement coming at six. And I'm like, okay, let's tune in at six. 
he did end up signing at like 620 and announced that his brother Jawan, I think that's how you say it, Jawan Dickey, who's a, a JUCO defensive tackle, is also coming to Oregon with them. I believe not on scholarship, uh, probably as on a walk-on, but Preferred um, walk-on. yeah, regardless, this is someone that the Ducks had to sign yesterday to keep this class looking as good as it did. He's someone that's been committed to them for a long time. I forget when he committed sometime in the summer, but um, this is a major win for them. Major win for junior Adams. It's just, he's a great player. I can't wait to see what he does. He's got comps to um, AJ Brown in the NFL. Like that's who his player comp is. It's a a big physical receiver that can kind of be a deep threat as well. So I, I can't wait to see him play. Shane, what do you got? Yeah, I'd say this won the award for most fun tape, uh, probably out of anybody. <laughs> He's a, a man amongst boys at that level. It's crazy to see uh, just his physicality. Even some of the plays where he's just blocking, he's just moving people down the field. Uh, he's got big hops. He's already a big guy. Um, he's definitely going to moss some people. Uh, he's a guy that you can just kind of throw the ball up to and just hope that he comes down with it. And the only thing I disagree with is Zach is I think he does have a good chance to play day one just because of how big he is compared to the other guys and just that it's a nice change of pace. Whether he's you know getting like 70% of snap counts, yeah, I don't see that. But just but just to implement a little bit of a more um, physically imposing player. Uh, the only knocks I have, which are small, or he doesn't run a lot of like super technical routes, but I think that's basically – purely because in high school, why would he need to if you can just run past people? And then, I mean, he's got a really long stride, which is great for speed. I mean, he'd be an excellent guy in like the 400. I do think he would struggle a little bit in the 100 just because of that exact thing. It just takes him a little bit longer to reach that max speed. But once he does, it's like, you know, it's like a video game where you can just literally maneuver around people just holding down that turbo button. So it's, yeah, I mean, those are just very, very small knocks. Uh, he looks like a fucking touchdown machine, and he's going to be really fun to watch in the next couple of years. Um, I could tell right away that he was a good basketball player because, yes. you know, you listen to wide receivers <laughs> and, you know, especially like Stefan Diggs talks about how he actually worked with NBA skill guys to kind of get off the line and things like that and work on their footwork. And my goodness, uh, really, really special tape, really, really fun to watch in that regard. I was actually impressed with his footwork, so I'm curious to see what kind of routes they do ask him to run when he gets here to Oregon. Um, couldn't agree more with Zach that he uses this really wide frame. He's got really broad shoulders, even for his size. A thick um, kid. Yeah, yeah thick. Um, uses his frame really well to box out DBs and just goes up and just absolutely attacks the ball. Really good hands catcher. I like the AJ Brown comparison. I've always, you know, top top tier NFL talent. I'm always, you know, wary of comping a kid. I, I call him LaVisca Chenault 2.0, uh, hopefully a more, you know, not as brittle LaVisca Chenault. Um, but Double just points on pronunciation. Good job. Really, yeah. really explosive in the in space, you know, really, really for a big guy to see him be so physical and explosive in space was really, really impressive. So my my literal only concern with this kid whatsoever was his choice of like the rave glasses. <laughs> that's literally my only concern with him uh, that that's a little out there, but yeah, Zach, you got something. Go ahead. Yeah. Real quick, just to clarify on something Shane said, I don't think that this is a guy that's going to be like using his red shirt as a freshman. Like I think he's going to play. 
Um, I just, I mean, I know that the Ducks have Troy Franklin. They've got the Alabama transfer, Treshawn Holden. Um, Chris Hudson, we'll see. I've heard rumblings that he's going to transfer after the bowl game. Um, but then you've got guys like Kyler Casper and Justice Lowe, who, I mean, Casper definitely, I believe, will um, probably see a lot more of the field after registering this past year. He's a really good player. Um, Dickey's going to see the field. Um, I just don't know that he's going to be, you know, one of those go-to options uh, early in his career. But yeah, I think that they're definitely going to get him in on some, they're going to, Will Stein's going to have fun with this one and he's going to draw up some plays for him. He's going to put him on some go routes, maybe some comebacks and really be able to use that size and that speed. Um, But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm incredibly excited to watch him. I've been, hoping for the last several months that he would make it to December 21st and sign that paper. And I was thrilled to see it happen. If I'm Bo Nix and I know like he and Troy Franklin are close, they're like, they're like homies and whatnot. I'm going to Troy Franklin. I'm like, Hey man, listen, things have been really good between us, but I think I need to start seeing other people and we need, we need to bring this guy in. Like every time we have breakfast, he needs to be there. Every time we hang out, he needs to be there. Like Like a polyamorous situation. Yeah. Kind of a situation. Yeah. (laughs) He needs needs to bring on somebody else. You know what I mean? Because this getting weird. (laughs) Just have those breakfast. You know, you hear about Matthew Stafford and, you know, cup having those breakfast meetings, bring, bring Jerry on Dickey to the breakfast meetings. That's all I'm trying to say. Cause this kid could be really, really special and be an impact player next season. Uh, let's go ahead and keep it moving here. Four-star running yeah. back Jaden Lamar out of Washington. Uh, anytime I can make Shane almost cry, I know it's a good podcast. Um, Headline: Justin says Phoenix needs to open up relationship. <laughs> <laughs> We've got five eleven, one ninety. Jaden Lamar. Uh, I like this kid. Uh, I was really excited by his film. Uh, Shane, when you got a chance to watch some of his tape, what are some things that uh, jumped out to you? Uh, like the exact opposite of what I was just saying about Dickie. Little tiny quick steps um, and changes <laughs> direction really well. Kind of reminds me of like a Darren Sprawls-ish type person. Uh, runs with more power, though, than, than I would have expected for his size. So, you know, the first couple like minutes of footage I was seeing, he was kind of like it was more screen game and avoidance. Uh, and then the more I watch, the more you see some some interior running. And he wasn't afraid to touch pads with other guys. So it's a... It's an interesting move just because it seems like it's a different style of back than we've seen Dan Lanning bring in. You know, he brought in, um, you know, obviously in Whittington and, uh, and Irving and then um, with uh, Dante who's the freshman last year, Jordan James. Oh, Jordan James. Yeah. yeah, Jordan yeah James. Just, just to be so, you know, different than these other young guys with this team. And then you know, the other guys kind of phasing their way out, but he does have this kind of LaMichael James shiftiness to him. Um, and yeah, I mean, he looks like he's just like a guy that they're going to use in really interesting ways to get in space and with, you know, a different OC, but you, I, I imagine this new OC is going to have a lot of similarities in play calling to Kenny Dillingham. And, uh, it's, it's a kind of player that would be really cool in those like super shifty, uh, screen game with like a lot of misdirection and everything like that. It seems like he's perfectly built for that style of play. Yeah, Zach, what'd you yeah, see? I think I don't I don't need to go into it too much. I know that we're uh, we probably need to cut down on our, our breakdowns of all of these players <laughs> if we want to get to the ones we want to get to, but he's a perfect kind of lightning to the thunder of Dante Dowdle, who's the other running back that they got in this class. Um 
I like the Sproles comparison. I was thinking about like JD McKissick, someone who can probably catch passes out of the backfield and and be really shifty and not a physically imposing running back that someone but someone can, you know, juke you out of your shoes and, and beat you downfield. So um I'm a big fan. This is another flip from Notre Dame, which was huge. Uh he's one of the top players in the state of Washington. I know that was a big thing for him to stay home, uh, stay close to home at least. So um yeah, this is a great pickup. Definitely a, a really, a really nice signing yesterday. Yeah, very short, choppy steps. But then when he did get into space, he was he kind of like became a long strider. It was interesting to kind of watch some of those highlights and see that breakaway speed. Um, I called him a Kirkland Austin Eckler, you know, um, because of the way that when he runs inside, I was really impressed with the way he uses his angles to kind of avoid some of those big hits. And he takes like a lot of deflective hits. But um, yeah, excited to see what he can do once he gets into that green and yellow. Four-star quarterback Austin Novasad, Texas, six foot three, one eighty-five. Uh, Zach, tell me what you saw. I know I'm going to say this for like every recruit, but this is like one of the biggest absolute wins for the Ducks yesterday. Yep. Uh, not because of the player that they landed, but just because of the, you know, the pivot that they made is just so impressive. You have a, a five-star quarterback committed to you for months, and he leaves for you know a multitude of reasons, which is too bad. But you know he made the best decision for himself. Can't blame him for it. The Ducks turn right around and they go to Baylor, and they get this kid who was committed to Baylor for over a year, who had been receiving calls from TCU and Texas A&M trying to get him to flip. Ohio State. He said no to those. Yeah. He said no to those schools, but then Oregon comes calling and he's like, oh, actually, yeah, I want to go play for the Ducks. And so they kind of left Baylor high and dry on signing day and took their four-star elite QB. Which you um, love to see. I love it. It's <laughs> it's just, it was just really impressive. I know I'll let you guys get into the player that he is, um, but it was just, this was such a big win for not only Dan Lenny, but Will Stein to come into Oregon and immediately make an imprint and show that, hey, I can recruit. Um, I've got relationships. I'm the guy that the landing tab to be the next killing Kenny Dillingham. And I'm going to make it be known that I can, I can make an imprint on this program early on. Yeah. What'd you see Shane? Uh, his mechanics are kind of funky, which at first I was a little worried about. He kind of does weird shit with his offhand, but the more I watched him, it was just kind of like, Oh no, he's just got a little flair to him. You know, he just kind of like, he's kind of broke the mold of the, some of these other like elite 11 guys and uh who look a little bit more robotic uh i mean even like justin herbert when we were watching his early stuff it was so technical and fo- focused on the fundamentals of being quarterback that at times it looked a little bit mechanical and uh he doesn't look like that he's a little more loosey-goosey in the shoulders which uh i don't really know enough about the mechanics of the quarterback position to know if that's a good or a bad thing or if that's something to worry about i kind of just like the optics of it He's a little flat-footed, but it doesn't really seem like it matters because he's got a fucking cannon. Um, some of the passes he was making on, like, out routes are like, oh, those are, like, NFL throws. Those are the things that NFL scouts are looking for. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him bulk up a little bit. But outside of that, you know, he's like a taller Tyler Shook that with the body of a skinny Justin Herbert <laughs> somewhere in between <laughs> those three things. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I want to see more from his arm. Uh, I kind of had the. Uh, I think he he got the ball there, but it didn't always look like it had the zip 
that some of those other like it, the ball didn't seem to like jump off of his hand necessarily when I was watching his film. Um, but I do agree the the offhand stuff was kind of funky, but he he's six foot three and he uses that size really well. He does have a nice like high compact release. So that was nice to see um, enough mobility to kind of get the job done. Good awareness in the pocket can scramble enough to hurt you on like a third down or something like that. Um, this is my favorite comp. Uh, Jared Goff, a little, 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 little Jared Goff-esque, you know? Um, it's good to agree more. Yeah, uh, good enough quarterback. Like I said, not anybody that's going to like necessarily wow you. I think he has that potential maybe with coaching and whatnot, but just just good enough to get the job done. Really, really good kid to bring into the program. Um, some of the, the hairstyle that you saw in some of his videos and whatnot was phenomenal. Great flow. So you love to see that. A uh, kid coming out of Texas with some flow is going to get named Sunshine real quick, you imagine, but um, good stuff there. All right, let's keep it moving here, gentlemen. Keep this train on the tracks. Uh, last guy that we want to kind of dive in here deep, uh, four-star cornerback Dalen Austin out of California, six foot one, 180, uh, another big flip. I've uh, been committed to LSU for quite some time. Um, I'm going to jump in here first because I'm really excited about this kid. This is probably the film that I liked watching the most. This kid has speed on speed on speed on speed on speed. He is very, very fast, explosive to the ball, closes incredibly quickly, crazy hips. The way he was able to flip his hips back and forth and track the ball with his vision, really, really impressive. And then, I mean, most of his highlight, I mean, he, incredible returner. Um, just amazing with the ball in his hands also. So curious to see what they decide to do with him here in the uh, the return game. This this comp might be a little blasphemous, but I at least kind of watered it down just a little bit. I went with like a dollar store Jalen Ramsey. Like has that kind of like talent, that's, that kind of like ball stuff. that watered down? <laughs> dollar store. Dollar store. You know what I mean? Like the version of Jalen Ramsey you'd get at the dollar store. I, Not at no, like, I get you that know, comp. I yeah, get that because yeah. I, the 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 size, the height, you know, I was, I was really struggling. He kind of reminded me of the the new Seahawk kid, Tariq Wollen, I think, but he's not he's not that big. Um, so yeah, I went I went with a yeah, kind of a dollar dollar brand, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Shane, what did you see when you watched this guy's film? So my favorite thing about him is I think that the cornerback <clears throat> is very special, and the fact that it takes a very specific type of human being. And the thing that really jumped off the screen for me was right in between the ears. And he is a chippy son of a bitch. He's and, mean. Uh, yeah, he, yeah is. he is. A physical. <laughs> it looks, I didn't see, I didn't hear any audio part. from him, but I guarantee you he was running <laughs> his mouth. And these might sound like negative things, but these are, these are necessities to play corner at the next level. You have to have a mean streak and you have to be able to not let people push you around because not only is it one of the most difficult positions in football, but you have to be at a body type. You're able to do all these things with speed mobility where guys are going to fuck with you physically. And it looks like he doesn't take shit from anybody. Um, I just, I think his, his personality and the way that he plays the game is everything that you see in in these big time corners, like the guys that you see succeed at the ne in the next, next levels, the NFLs. look at Jalen Ramsey. He's, you know, he is playing mind games with everybody, you know, sauce Gardner, all these guys are incredibly good at playing the mental game as well as the physical game. And that was the first thing that I noticed about him is we haven't had a corner come in with that type of bravado in a long time since like Cliff Harris ish era. He I smoked mean, even it all. Yeah, like Dante Manning, like you didn't really he's he's such like a you know, he, he's a great player. I don't want to sound like I'm dogging on him at all, but he's he's a much more reserved person and you can see it immediately. It didn't take long watching his highlights to notice that he was a completely different type type of person. 
I couldn't agree more. Yeah, go ahead, Zach. Did you guys see the uh, the video that Jalen Austin tweeted out after signing yesterday? Um, kind of the his like commitment video, but no, not that one. Well, I don't I actually don't think the backflip was in that one. That was also very cool though. <laughs> but no, it was like a, a very well produced video, um, kind of introducing him to Eugene, and it had like a a long probably 30 second 45 second soundbite from Dan Lanning explaining why he wanted uh Dalen and Eugene and he's talking about I once I saw you uh when I was recruiting you at Georgia I thought I instantly just have to have this guy I've talked to you endlessly that I need you on my team and it's he was comparing him to former Georgia cornerback Eric Stokes and just someone that's an elite elite player and you mentioned the hips, you mentioned the quick feet, you mentioned the the returning ability. He's got really great ball skills and he goes up and he will fight you in the air for that. And Landing was saying that he's like, I know that I can put you out there on an island and just trust that if the ball comes to you, you're going to go up and you're going to fight for it and probably end up with it. So um, I know soon we're going to talk about, you know, our players that we think that can have an instant impact on this team. And I'll pick a different one now because I'm going to say that I think I think Dalen Austin is going to be that guy. He can potentially be a starter for the Ducks this next year on defense. We've got some questions to the cornerback spot. I know they got Kyrie Jackson from Alabama. Uh, we'll see if Triquez Bridges, Dante Manning, Julia Florence, if any of them step up. But Dalen Austin's going to be in that conversation. He's going to be vying for a starting spot. And if he doesn't start, he's going to get some playing time because this is an elite player. And one of my favorite things about this is that you know, Caleb Presley, the four-star corner that the Ducks had forever, flipped to Washington, and the Ducks said okay, and they turn around and get Dalen Austin, who is a higher-rated corner, uh, a better nice. prospect, and it's like, oh, okay, that's yeah, they were fine with that. So I take Dalen uh, ten times out of ten. Oh, oh my oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Conversation. It's, it's been a long time since I've made a bold prediction. Dalen Austin will be a starter day one on this Oregon defense. I'm I'm like really it. that I impressed. I totally believe it. Um, really, really impressed with this kid. All right, let's keep it moving here, gentlemen. Let's keep it moving. Uh, if you want the full uh, breakdown of all the recruits, definitely check out the show notes, but also check out ducksWire.usatoday.com. A more in-depth breakdown on every single recruit coming into the University of Oregon. Uh, really, really good stuff over there. Uh, let's just throw out, you know, one, let's, let's each do one here. One, one kid that we're really excited from the rest of this list, uh, to come here on campus. I'll go last. I'll give you guys the, I'll, I'll defer. Um, Zach looks excited. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Zach first. Zach, who do you got? Who do you, you know, the other recruits coming in here, who are you most excited about? I'm smiling because you said, all right, let's just do one. And there's two that I really want to talk about. <laughs> I've talked about them more on this podcast with you guys. And we've texted a lot of them about, so I'm just going to do an honorable mention to tight end Kenyon Sadiq, who is, I know we talked about his, his game tape from high school. He's an incredible player. Uh, he's going to be so much fun to watch. And I think that he can play a lot uh, as a freshman. Cause he's a big body, just incredible athlete from Idaho. My pick is maybe surprising. I'm going with kicker Grant Medors, hey. who is the number one kicker prospect in the 2023 class. He committed. Um, I don't know that he's going to start, but I can't wait to see that kicking battle between him and Camden Lewis uh, this upcoming year because Camden's been lights out been good. this past year. I mean, we've we've given him a lot of props, but they just got the number one uh, kicker recruit in the nation. So um, I know that one's a little bit off the radar, but 
uh, I'm excited to see what that does. And just even past this year, the Ducks have a, a really, really good kicker, an established kicker. Um, that may be something that we are fawning over in the years to come. All right, Shane, who do you got? Well, since Zach did one and a half, I'm going to do one and a half too. Uh, my honorable <laughs> mention is uh, Lipa Molea, um, offensive yeah. lineman out of Matter Day. Uh, he's like 320 pounds, 6'6 or something like that. Just in a, yeah, he's a huge, huge bowling ball body. <laughs> and I think he was playing right guard in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, it, the, the cool thing about him is he's got that huge body, but just like this organ system where you got to get out into space and make plays, kid can fucking move. He is fun to watch. But the player I'm going to go with is my actual pick is going to be Blake Purchase, uh, outside linebacker mm-hmm. from the state of Colorado. He was able to get away from the grasp of Deion Sanders and that new regime up there. Um, absolute fucking game wrecker. Uh, he was everything that I wanted. Uh, Mateo can't pronounce his last name yet oh i'm gonna have to learn how to do that now damn it Uh, i was i was gonna say do we want to do this today just to get our fans to know how to say his last name Uwe, ung yeah ung galay galay no ungalale ungalay there's another la in there Uwe ungalale yeah He's everything that I Stay wanted Mateo Uwe Ungalale to be. Uh, just watching the tape <laughs> where it was just like getting in the backfield, hitting the shit out of running backs, blowing up plays. There was a couple plays where like they were trying to kind of like uh, use his speed against him and like throw screens over the top of him. And he was like sniffing him out and getting tackles for like 20 yard losses. Uh, it's just if you want to go and just like break down, like it, it kind of reminded me of this might sound blasphemous. It didn't have the cool running back stuff, but it reminded me of the Noah Sewell tape (laughs) where it was just like every play was just like, did he know the play beforehand? And uh, yeah, so that was a a later, a later commitment that uh, I was able to kind of get down and break down today. And somebody that I think could, you know, find himself in that rotation of linebackers between Bassa, Keith Brown, and some of these other guys uh, in this upcoming year. I don't see him having a huge role early just because the linebacker is such a tough position, but I can see him playing, the role that Keith Brown played last year on this year, this next year's team. All right. Well, I'm the one that made the rules and I'm going to completely break them here and uh, smuggle are. in a couple. Uh, <laughs> I'm, <really> shocked. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to see what Cole Martin can do. I don't think he's going to come in and shock anybody next year, but just as a really good nickelback, you know, moving forward here for this program, uh, I'm really excited to see what Dante Dottle can do. His film is crazy this is blasphemous to say but it's he looks like adrian peterson even like the way he runs and like just like a big tall back um looks like a taller dalvin cook out there just really really impressive with what he can do upright yeah yeah very much so he's also got some like royce freeman to him as well yes Uh Mm -hmm. those thighs just the thigh game there on that guy for sure um Love to see us bringing in a punter. That's awesome. The Aussie punter, six foot six, 210 pound punter. He's not going to take any, yeah, some fake punts with that guy. But the guy that I'm really going to talk about, the guy that I'm really excited here, long snapper. Nick Dazanski. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I was like, <laughs> I, was like right, I was so excited. I was notes like, on him. What does he do special? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the guy that Zach just mentioned as honorable mention. I'm gonna talk about Kenyon Sadiq. Oh uh, yeah. this I kid have, oh, yeah. is so much fun. We could all my, 
the, my favorite thing I had, the thought that I had while I was watching this is this is like what Kirk Cousins thinks when he's throwing to Justin Jefferson. He just goes, but the, you can just see the quarterback. He drops back and he's like, all right, fuck, Kenyon's down there somewhere. <laughs> just chucks it and he goes and gets it. I mean, didn't run a whole lot of routes, a lot of nines. Um, impressive blocker though. And uh-huh speed and power like you have i haven't seen in a six foot four 225 that that kind of a combination um i was running through all kinds of blasphemous comps but i think the one that zach kind of threw out before is he is he's kind of and again we'll water it down a little but kind of a kirkland kyle pitts i mean he really does look like he has that kind of a combination looks like a giant wide receiver um stands out like i mean he's playing in idaho so that also has to be taken into consideration here but all of his film he stands that you know where he is all the time on that tape he's playing in idaho but his tape was five minutes of nothing but touchdowns yeah. <laughs> it was i was like wait how many did he score <laughs> Yeah, I'm well, really he's, excited. He's someone we we got to talk to Lanning for a, a press conference yesterday, and not a lot of players had signed yet. So I mean, he couldn't you know officially talk about players until they're signed. But uh, Kenyon's one that was signed, so I asked him. I was like, Just, "What do you think of this kid? What did you see from his tape? What are you excited about with him?" And, he kind of said what you just mentioned. He's like, I think this kid is severely underrated because no one really saw him. He's the number one player in Idaho. But what does that mean? You know, it's kind of like being the number one player in Oregon. It's not a not a huge touch. Almost made JD spit out his coffee. Damn. It's the second uh, time today bro. you guys almost made me spit out coffee. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's it's not like being the number one player in Texas or Washington oh. or California. I mean, it, it doesn't carry as much weight, but uh man i just i can't wait to see him play like i i've thought about that kyle pitts comparison i made more a couple of days ago i'm like yeah i can i can really see that happening and we've well, got a he, great tight ends coach in drew Maringer, and i can't wait to see him develop him you see a lot of those big guys to be hands catchers or not hands catchers but body catchers because they've got a big enough frame to kind of he is not afraid to go get it and attack the ball and Wow, it was just it was really impressive. You know, it did have some some Giannis and Greece vibes, you know, for sure. But um well, I was, was yeah, really, really excited. Multiple touchdowns where he was like high pointing the ball and he didn't need to. He could have no. let it fall into his hands. And he just <laughs> he decided just stand there. to do it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> it was honestly like he was like he was like, you know, creating separation. He sees the ball in the air and he's like, Well, fuck, I'm gonna have to do something special here because I play in Idaho. So I'm gonna just (laughs) go up and get this one regardless. It was yeah, fun to watch. The the moment Zach told us to watch him, I was like, that was that you're you're speaking right to my heart, Zach. Yeah. (laughs) So we've kind of already prefaced this a little bit, talked about these two players, but Oregon did lose two recruits during this process. Also, Dante Moore, quarterback that headed to UCLA, Caleb Presley, cornerback headed to Washington. I think both of those needs got filled in this class. Like you said, maybe even upgraded in, in case of Caleb Presley. Um, I wasn't all that impressed with his film when I kind of dug into that a little bit. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch the next couple of years, this quarterback whole thing shake out, you know, because Oregon was attached to so many of these quarterbacks, you know, the, the you know, Nico at Tennessee, uh, Malachi at USC. Um, you know, obviously Dante Moore, but it's just uh, Rashada, you know, it's going to be really interesting just to watch this play out and, and who really is, you know, the, the best quarterback that comes out of that class and who kind of elevates themselves. Uh, anything you guys else want to touch on, on these two guys that are headed somewhere else? Nope. All right. Let's just go Can ahead. I just, and, oh yeah, go ahead. I touch on the quarterback situation real quick. Yeah. Yeah, please. Um, I know it's, I mean, well, maybe not a long shot after what we saw yesterday, but the ducks have 
been said to be connected with Dylan Rayola, who is the number one overall player in the class of 2024, number one quarterback, recently decommitted from Ohio State, uh, reportedly a few days after Oregon had a, an in-school visit with him. So uh, something, you know, it's not nothing. I don't know that it means, you know, they're going to get him, but they might get him on a visit or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, Oregon fans love quarterback recruitment and commitments. So that's someone to to keep your eyes on. Even though our best quarterback ever was a three-star. Yep. You never know, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Never know. And the, the quarterback carousel continues to spin. Uh, we do want to just mention also uh, Mateo's brother, DJ, narrowed down his three options to, interestingly, Oregon State. Oregon and Hawaii. So it'll be uh, curious to see where he lands and uh, the carousel just keeps going. Let's talk uh, as we talk about transfers. Uh, Oregon also brought in two big time transfers yesterday, both offensive linemen, uh, one Texas uh, junior. Anguilau. 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 Okay. A uh, great write-up mm-hmm. on DucksWire.com about him. Really cool story about just the, his perseverance with that Texas program and sticking with it. Uh, and then uh, Rhode Island offensive lineman, Ajani Cornelius. This is a great names class also. We didn't talk about that whole, just a lot of really, really good names. Anytime you've got an offensive lineman named Janoris, you know you're doing something right. So just absolutely fantastic names from this group. Um, let's go ahead and jump in. We get, we did get one question from Twitter and we've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but our guy at Raylan Foster, actually I shouldn't say guy. I don't know. It's a, it's a Twitter handle. So who knows? Uh, the person at Raylan Foster asks which recruit makes an, an immediate impact next year. So we've, we've kind of talked about a couple, uh, let's just open it up. Can talk about any of the transfers also. So what do you guys think? Who makes the, who makes the biggest impact next year? Chain. What's the wide receiver from Alabama's name? Trayshawn Holden. Holden. I'd probably go there just because of the, the the sales pitch that a wide receiver from Alabama was probably given and the promises probably made as far as playing time is concerned. Um, I feel like that's kind of low-hanging fruit, though. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, if Bowen comes, it's Bowen, you know, yeah. from a, from a yeah. recruit perspective, right? So I think we can all agree on that. If Bowen comes, it's going to be him. Um, I mean, sticking from just from a freshman, I mean, I already put my name out there on it. So I'm going to say Dalen Austin because I think he's going to be a starter. I think he'll have some struggles. I think he'll give up some big plays as he kind of finds his way around. But I think he's going to be a massive impact for the Ducks on defense next year. If I'm talking a transfer that has the biggest impact, I would say linebacker Justin Jacobs from Iowa. I think he's a a beast, a Big Ten defender. He's someone that Dan Lanning saw in the portal and went out and got um, if I'm talking commits, I'm going to throw a little bit of curveball at you. I'm going to say potentially five-star defensive lineman, David Hicks, mm. who is not committed yet. He is committed to Texas A&M announcing his final signing tomorrow. I believe, uh, choosing between Texas A&M, Oregon, and Oklahoma. It's a lot of buzz around Oregon right now. He's the number one defensive lineman in the nation. Um, if he comes to Eugene, it's kind of like the balance situation. If he ends up here, he's going to be an instant impact player because he is very, very talented. He's someone where you watch his high school tape and it's like, oh man, this is, this is an sec defensive lineman. This is someone that Dan Lanning can mold into his next Jalen Carter. Um, and I think that's a big part of the sales pitch as well. So, um, 
all eyes on that tomorrow because that would be a, a massive win for the Ducks, it's even especially if they lose Peyton Bowen. Um, even if they don't, this is, I mean, either way you look at it, it's this would be huge. One apparently they're pretty close because it sounded like if you got one, they, they were kind of leaning yes. that the other one may choose to come to your school also. So that's always a part of the game that we don't necessarily talk about here on the podcast. Um, all right, let's keep the train rolling. We have a bowl game to talk about, guys. The Ducks are going bowling down in San Diego, the Holiday Bowl, playing the <laughs> North Carolina Tar Heels. Shane looks like he's ready to take a nap. Will, will uh, this one be on TV, or is it just women's basketball at San Diego doesn't like putting Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> University of North Carolina, 9-4 and four on the season, 6-12 and 12 in the ACC. Uh, love to see that they beat Miami, but that was about their only good win. I mean, every ranked team they played against, they lost. Lost to Notre Dame, but Clemson, and North win. Carolina. It's an okay <laughs> win. I mean, it's better than a lot of the wins I saw on their schedule. I wasn't real impressed mm-hmm. when I looked at it. Uh, quarterback Drake May, a big-time NFL prospect, uh, threw for a little over 4,000 yards, 35-7 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, uh, was even a little bit of an outside-the-box uh, outside Heisman conversation here kind of as the season uh, went. Looks like they're going to have a lot of opt-outs. A Heisman winner with like five losses. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Uh, a lot of opt-outs. Probably most importantly, wide receiver Josh Downs. And then about half of the defense there for North Carolina. I'm going to highlight defensive back Storm Duck. Storm, come to the University of Oregon. It's, it's where you should have committed to earlier. But yeah, go ahead and go ahead and transfer out here. We can always use another good cornerback. Um, Again, we don't have to talk about this too much. The game's next Wednesday. Should be entertaining to watch. Um, again, read the the article on duckswire.com. Love that it's, you know, a race to 50. You know, whoever puts up points is probably going to win this one. But, uh, Zach, what's what's one thing that as you – because we're all going to watch it, you know. So as you, as you turn this game on, what's one thing that you're really going to be watching for in particular? I guess I'm really excited to see the battle between Bo Nix and Drake May. Um, we were talking pre-podcast. I wish it was a battle between Ty Thompson and Drake May. Yes, because, please. You know, now that we have the news that Nix is coming back for 2023, I would like to put him in a hyperbaric chain chamber until uh, <laughs> next summer and just make sure that he's as fully healthy as he can be. I don't. He's kind of dealing with an ankle injury. He said it's a lot better, but like I don't. I don't know. I don't see What's why you're playing in this game. Exactly. What it's a exhibition game where both sides have are missing a ton of players. I mean, you already mentioned North Carolina's without wide receiver uh Josh Downs, defensive back Tony Grimes, defense back Cameron Kelly, Storm Duck, Oregon's without, you know, Christian Gonzalez, DJ Johnson, Noah Sewell, a ton of players. It's like unfortunately this is where bowl games are at right now. Um, you know, and it's, it's not a bad thing. I don't blame these kids for wanting to stay healthy and go to the NFL draft or entering the transfer portal. Um, but it kind of sucks that when you're not in a major college football playoff or new Year's six bowl game, it's just a, uh, who gives a shit exhibition and whoever shows up and has, you know, the most care and the most want to will probably end out up, end up on top. So, yeah, we'll watch it. We'll cover it on Ducks Wire. You can tell how enthused I am about 
doing all of this. Actually, the game's also on my birthday, December 28th. So it's like, oh, yay. Happy birthday to me. Watch a shitty football game and write about it for several hours. So now I got to work. Awesome. Yeah. No, this, this seriously, as we were talking before the podcast, I would be so much more interested if this was announced Ty Thompson starting because that would give us four quarters of watching him actually play as the starter. We'd find out so much more about him. And it's just, I don't know. I, I love that Bo Nix is here and in Oregon. I just wish I was not watching him in this game. I want to see it just to give him the prep time, give him the run time up to it, yeah. treat him like the starter for these couple of weeks, you know, give him that opportunity to run with the ones, get him some confidence, man. Cause we've all seen what he can do. The talent is there. Just, you know, how, how can this coaching staff tap it? But I would be so much more excited about, I mean, you guys can't even imagine. I wouldn't shut up about it if it was Ty Thompson starting, but yeah, Shane, what are, what are you most excited for here with the holiday bowl? Um, I, I kind of the way that I'm viewing these bowl games these days, uh, these like, you know, non-important bowl games to as more of kind of an exit interview for the season and almost like a like a spring game 2.0 where you're still like on the tail end of your season. But I'd like to see some players who didn't get highlighted or showcased, maybe used a little bit more, um, maybe get a little bit deeper into the roster, you know, maybe see a little bit of the depth in the wide receiver room. Um I, I'd prefer to not see Bo Nix out there. And if he did, maybe have him wear a red jersey or something, make sure nobody touches him. Maybe that's how we have these bowl games. You know what I mean, do it like Pro Bowl rules or something like that. Uh, because, yeah, it's just, it's what we're going to watch is basically like a, you know, like a souped up JV team on the North Carolina side. And so, I mean, Oregon goes out there and they beat him by 30 points. I wouldn't be too surprised, but I'm honestly not going to be like too fired up about it either. Uh, so yeah, I just, uh, I, yeah, I just kind of want to see, I want to see some things, you know what I mean? Maybe like let some players get involved in like, uh, like calling plays or something like that. Get your backup quarterbacks, like a little bit more, you know what I mean? Get, if, if Ty Thompson doesn't play, have him more involved in, in something, you know, in the offensive side of the ball. But other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch because I like watching these guys play and, you know, we all you know, we, we care about these players. We want to see them do well with the thing that they care about the most. But outside of that, not really that interested. Yeah, I hope they get PS5s. hope they get them some cool stuff. Hope uh, hope Holiday Bowl drops some cool stuff on them. That's about it. Um, I would love to see them, you know, up big, you know, and get Ty an opportunity to get out there and get some reps, even if it is just a showcase for him to, you know, potentially transfer and head somewhere else. You know, if DJ does, you know, for whatever reason, decide to come to Oregon and that quarterback room gets too full. But, yeah, that would be the number one thing that I will be looking for. All right. That's enough football talk, gentlemen. Let's jump over here to the hardwood. It's been a rough week for hoops, definitely on both the men's and women's side. Uh, since we last podcast, the men have played two games. They beat Portland 78 to 56, dropped a tough one to Utah Valley 72 to 77, making them seven and six overall on the season. Uh, Zach, you just look so excited to talk about this game. I'm going to throw it to you here first. Um, what's going on with this duck squad, man? Oh, what a bad loss it was to Utah Valley. It was this this game came the uh the night before signing day, so I was in the arena, but like I think I watched probably half the game because I was just kind of covering everything with Mateo and there was predictions for Novasad, and it was just like I was half paying attention to the game, and I'm kind of glad that happened because 
man, they they did not look good. And I mean, credit to Utah, they played a great game. I know Shane's going to get into that more, but um, my biggest takeaway is after the game when Dana Alban came and did interviews. This is maybe is like I don't know if distraught's the right word, but like defeated. I've ever seen him. I mean, he was just so, he just said the word disappointed so many times. And he even said, he's like, yeah, I just saw my grandkids after the game. And even that didn't put a smile on my face. And that's the first time that's ever happened before. He's saying, it's like, I, you know, I can't stop these guys because they're on a, they're on a 10 day break now until their next game on December 31st against Oregon state. It's like, I can't stop these guys from going home for Christmas, but they should not be leaving. We should be in the gym practicing every day from now to the next game because this is, you know, we are not where we need to be right now. So, um, you know, classic run-of-the-mill Dana Altman team. They'll get it going in February, but, man, they look bad right now in this last, uh, this last game in particular. And I know there's a lot of injuries. They're not shooting the ball well. Um when it's bad, it's bad. When it when it's good, it looks decent. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna throw it to Shane because I know he's got more on the actual gameplay. I think that the the key to success or failure with this team basically comes <clears throat> down to like one statistical well, not one statistical category, but it's assist to turnover ratio. And this game, they were just turning the ball over. They were so careless with it, and that has to be what Dana Altman is talking about with this disappointment. Is there was so many. I thought Utah Valley played an excellent game uh, defensively. They were awesome. They ran one of the best two three zones you'll ever see. I mean, Bayham Bayheim like like level of uh, defensive focus, but it was still there. Was just like careless turnovers, dribbling off the foot. I mean, Utah Valley going to make the effort play and saving it, and just standing there flat footed and letting them you know throw the ball a few out of bounds and things like that. And then out in transition, Utah Valley scored so many points. I mean just so many effort plays where they were just getting more guys down the floor. They were, they were missing transition layups and getting offensive boards and getting putbacks there. Um, they, they handled in folly Dante the first time this season, he was rendered completely useless and he kind of shut down. Um, it, it was frustrating to see with him because we've seen him make so many strides and improvements this year. And he kind of regressed a lot in that game. They had an odd amount of size for uh, like a lower caliber team. They had like a seven footer that almost got a reverse dunk first play of the game and was averaging a double double, but they also had uh, a couple other centers who did a great job. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, it was the team coached by Mark Madsen and any basketball nerds out there know who that is. And they had 10 guys who played just like him. It was a complete, uh, I mean, Oregon was the far superior team in the talent and Utah Valley was far superior in effort. And that's really what it boiled down to. So I, I hope that this Oregon team learned a valuable lesson as they go on to not only not overlook any opponents as they get into conference play, because now it's known that you guys, I mean, UC Riverside and Utah Valley, you have two major stains on your resume going forward. At so home. you're going to have to yeah. go out and beat the hell out of Washington state. You're going to have to beat the hell out of Cal. You're going to really have to put up huge performances against lower quality teams to prove that, that this team that you were in these first 15 games, isn't who you're going to be in the last 15 games. Because the, the, the really fucked up part of this loss is like, Will Richardson had a, an awesome game. I mean, he was, he took that whole team, put him on his back. He was scoring. He was getting people's faces. I don't know what was up with Q. I still don't know what's up with sores. Um, I'm fully in the camp and I can't believe I'm saying this, that lock war should be getting all of Rivaldo Soros minutes. Yeah. Their, their roles should be completely flipped. And I think Soros is a much better player than Lok war, but 
he just he he happens to give more of a shit. He's gonna get on the on the ground for loose balls. He's gonna play defense, and he's gonna you know he's gonna be more active in his switches and everything like that. So I mean, it's it's hard because you're looking at a team that you that you can tell they know they're underachieving, and they're not really pulling themselves out of it. I love Khalil Ware. I you know I think he's you know obviously first round talent going to the NBA, but he's not gonna be the guy that rallies the team around him. And, you know, says like, hey, guys, let's do something about this. Well, Richardson's trying, but it's, you know, it's going to take more than just one. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see Rigsby get involved a little bit more offensively that game. I don't, I don't know what was up with him he, on defense. He's awesome. I love watching Rigsby play. He flies around the court so much and he's always in the right spot. But almost just like to see him fire a couple shots off just to get him out of this. They were one for 14 from three in the first half. Like mathematically, that's crazy. And like. Honestly, out of those 14, probably nine were quality looks. Yeesh. Well, I mean, they're coming, right? The guy's coming off of injuries. The reserves are coming. Go ahead, Zach. What were you going to say? Yeah, but before we get off, I know we're going to go to the women's side too, but two notes. Um, one, this may have been the single worst officiated game I've oh. ever seen at the college level. Like, Maybe. I, I know you lose to a bad team. You harp on officials, blah, blah, blah. It's like, this was actually like a terribly terribly officiated game and it it hurt the ducks down the stretch there was at one point i forget it was definitely under a minute left the ducks down by i think three a guy throws an elbow into brennan rigsby's face knocks him down and they call a block on rigsby and then they went and reviewed it and they still call the block on rigsby and it's like they what? reviewed it for a flagrant elbow yeah but it was a defensive they, foul yeah it made no sense yeah and it's just Another point is just I don't this team's in must-win territory right now already in the season. I mean, they've got Shane mentioned these two losses, Utah Valley, UC Riverside, both at home. The Ducks can't win or they can't lose more than three, four more games the rest of the season, or they might be out of the tournament picture already. I mean, it's it's getting to be that dire of a situation at this point. We're still in December. We're barely, we've played, I think, one Pac-12 game. So um, I know I don't want to be a, a major downer about this, but man, they need to shape up pretty quickly because it's it's not looking good. Well, the bright side, uh, that kid from Westland's playing really well right now. Uh, Mookie's playing really, really well down in Arizona. So they got some big time recruits coming in next year that should help out a little bit. And as always, as always, in Dana, we trust. So hopefully they can get the ship righted and get it going in the right direction. Yeah, let's jump on over here to the women's side. A little bit more success this last week. A couple wins, one over Charleston, 97 to 33. Another good win over number 16, Arkansas, 85 to 78. Uh, but then a tough loss to Ohio State, 67 to 8 or 84. Ghost of Duck Pass coming back to haunt Kelly Graves as Taylor Mickasell just went off against the Ducks. Um, as you guys, I didn't get a chance to watch any of those games. I just got to watch chance to watch some highlights. I wasn't going to pay play for uh, pay for flow sports, but, um, as we kind of just take this women's team and look at like a big picture, as we kind of look forward here now for the rest of the season, we've talked about their ceiling here a little bit. Has anything changed for you over the last week when it comes to this, uh, women's basketball team, Shane? No, not even a little bit. Uh, I mean, they're off to what their best start in the season since like 2016, uh, they got a freshman power forward who's leading the charge and scoring that game against Arkansas 10 for 19 from the floor to add six rebounds to go along with 26 points, um, which again, we didn't get to watch. I didn't 
get past that paywall either. But uh, but I mean, you're looking at a quality, a top 25 team. And, you know, we, we've had our questions, you know, can can Grace do this against bigger, more physical teams? And those, I mean, Arkansas is SEC school. I haven't really got a, watch, a chance to watch them play, but I imagine that they have a bigger squad than your Seattle's or your, you know, Eastern Washington's. So, uh, yeah, I think that it's, that they're going to be continuously just being, you know, we got to continue their cautious optimism on this team, uh, whether or not it's going to be a final four run or just a deep tournament run, whether or not that's going to be, you know, their ceiling for the season. But the the cool thing is that they're they're staying cohesive and there's an identity to this team. It's the opposite of the men's team where the men's team is finding success in all these random ways. The, the women's team has a formula to their success and that's pounding the ball inside and then letting their guards take care of business to, to close the game. What do you got? Yeah, I don't, I don't have too much to add. I just know that they, they really need Kennedy Basham back They're They're pretty thin right now. What was the, uh, Shane, you might know, I'm forgetting the name of the girl who, uh, didn't play last game. She left for personal reasons. Jenna Asai. Yeah, I was actually talking Jenna about Asai? this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jenna Asai at a Valley not, Vista but... High School, uh, former Arizona Gatorade player of the year, uh, has decided to leave the program. Kelly didn't say a whole lot. When I heard that, I thought she was just leaving to like go home for a little while and come back. But it sounds like she will no longer be a part of the program moving forward. Well, and it's just they're they're down to not many scholarship players at this point. I think they're playing with eight or nine in their rotation. So nine, yeah. Um, so eight besides Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I, I still, you know, trust in Kelly Graves as well. I mean, he's got this team. It's a, like you said, top 20 team. I think they're number 16 in the AP poll right now. They're playing well. Uh, you know, all systems go once they get healthy and uh, they should make a deep run in March. And Kennedy Basham is still a work in progress too. I mean, outside yeah. of that injury, she still has, uh, she's got a lot of things to learn and gain about playing at this level. So those, those reps are going to be huge. It's hard to going to be learning on the fly during pack pack 12 play. Absolutely. All right. We have reached it. Uh, thank you. This has been a monumental, massive podcast here. So thank you for listening, everybody, but we've reached last take we all fire off a hot take that we've had sitting on our chest that's just been simmering you just got to get it out there you can't hold it in any longer i could not be more excited to throw this to zach because he kind of teased us a little bit here at the beginning of the podcast with what his might be so i am excited to hear zach's last take in the uh, spirit of signing day and the recruiting hoopla that's gone over uh, the past, you know, 48 hours, I'm calling it right now, Oregon Ducks top five class in 2024, uh, maybe even top three. Um, I'm just really impressed by the uh, momentum we've seen. Oregon landed another four-star wide receiver in the 2024 class this morning. Jordan Anderson is the number 13 receiver. Um, in the nation, number 83 overall player. They got uh, at the end of November, they got another four-star receiver, 14th in the nation. They've got the number uh, two player in the state of Oregon, tight end A.J. Pugliano, uh, another uh, tackle as well. There's going to be some five-stars added to this class. There's going to be a ton more four-stars. We saw the the finish that they had for the 2023 class. They're number, I believe, number seven in the nation right now. This 2024 class is already number six in the nation for uh, for next cycle. So um, I've got high hopes, and I believe that Lanning can make another splash in the recruiting world next year. Love it. 
I love it. All right, Shane, last take. I had two. One was positive, one was negative. I feel like I've done enough negative things today. So <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go positive. Plus, I don't want to have to eat my words on too many guys, um, <laughs> which I'd be happy to do. And also just want to throw that out there in anything I'm saying critical of these players. I'm wrong like 95% of the time. So it, it doesn't mean anything. This is just my <laughs> poorly like put together opinion. Uh, but just with with the signing day and this this bevy of players that we got, we only, you know, we talked about the cream of the crop here with the top like six or seven. But it was really cool to see Dan Lanning prioritize the defensive line. Uh, they brought in a bunch of players on that D-line, a bunch of beef, too. And I think that we got kind of accustomed in the crystal ball era of kind of winning those battles of the trenches on both sides of the ball. Kind of can, thought that that would continue with all of those same players into this Dan Lanning era. And it didn't really do that as much last year. Um, you know, we kind of had some questions about Brandon Dorless, you know, leaving or, you know, coming back this year. When going into the year, we thought he'd be like a first, second round pick easily. And he was, you know, we'd be waving him off into the sunset. So it's just sometimes around signing day with previous coaching staffs, I always get a little worried about like what I think the team needs to be fixed just from, you know, watching on my couch with, like I just said, my, you know, very poor opinion on how football should be played. But it was cool to see this list of players and be like, oh, this is all the things that I wanted to see. Then I'm not top 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 tier you know five-star level players on the interior defensive line but you know that he's bringing in you know a wave of talent here and he's going to kind of do this ohio state quarterback approach let's bring them all in figure out who's good and then we'll you know the rest will be what it is after the fact love it love it uh as per usual I'm going to go off off the radar here. What Marvel movie are we talking about? <laughs> no, actually, so we're going to talk Dr. about sports. Strange. No, we're going to talk about, hey, Mom is underrated. It was good. Um, what? Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. People call it Mom. Anyway. Oh, good Lord. I, I, was, I was lost. <laughs> I was lost there too, Zach. Right over my head. Um, I haven't been watching much Blazers. Um, I have, I have my personal reasons for that. I'm not a, not a fan of Chauncey Billups, but they sucked me in the other night, uh, for Dame to become the all time, uh, points, the all time leading scorer in points for Blazers history. Awesome moment game to watch though. It was, it was a hard game to watch for sure. And that's kind of what, I mean, so the, the take is two sided here. I could not be more proud to have a player like Damian Lillard represent the team that I do love and, you know, and deep down in my heart, I do root for. You couldn't ask for more in a franchise player and what he does. And that moment where he had with his son, you know, came down on it. That was just so awesome. Just so, so cool. But it is a, and I know that he, he was a part of this process. It is a travesty that Chauncey Billups is the team's head coach. Not only do I have questions about who he is as a person, but his game plan, it was awful. Those two games against the Thunder that I watched from start to finish, absolutely atrocious. Like you don't even know what they're doing half the time. Anthony Simmons and Dame are out there, you know, and playing really well despite it. Jeremy Grant's really fun to watch. I'd been kind of missing out on the whole Jeremy Grant experience. That was great. Josh Hart, what a great guy to root for, but they cannot fire Chauncey Billups soon enough in my personal opinion, just to move on and to get this team going in the right direction. So I don't know if I'm completely off the radar again. I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to blazers discourse even, but I, he's awful. He's absolutely awful. Shane, what do you got? I got a little bit of pushback there. Not as far (laughs) as like 
we, we can do you know the, the him as a person stuff that's a much different conversation yes, totally Dave. i yep. had more negative things about neil olshay's hiring process than whatever but that's that's a much different conversation i think that there is this expectation that the Blazers were going to be better on defense because they got a point guard who was on one of the better defensive teams in NBA history. I think that's ludicrous because you don't coach, you coach to the players that you have and they don't have a lot of excellent defensive players. Um, you're, you did watch two games you're talking about without Nurkic. He's a huge part of the offense. And that's when true. Drew, Drew Eubanks and Trenton Wofford are coming off the bench and using more sparing roles, those guys are huge energy pieces that make a huge impact on the game. When, they have to play and they're like the de facto, you know, starter. Cause they play about the same amount of minutes when Nurk is out uh, more entertaining than with Nurk, but not more productive, but it's, it's cause Nurk's so good at the, the little shit, like the, the off ball screens, mm-hmm. the, the dribble handoffs and all that stuff. He's really the, the straw that stirs the drink. Well, and I'll give it to you banks. I saw him play in high school. Eubanks and if awesome. you would have told me that he was going to be a professional basketball player, I'd be cool. Where in Europe is he playing? Like right. there's no way I would have thought that was going to be an NBA basketball player. So what he's done with his game is just really, really impressive. Shit. Even when I watched him play for the Spurs, I was like, <laughs> is this guy, is this guy really an NBA basketball player? But he's awesome. If you ever put together any same game parlays out there on DraftKings, go ahead and throw Drew Eubanks block. It'll help boost up your odds. Uh, and it's he, if, if he doesn't get it, you're at least going to watch him attempt to get like seven of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the justice Winslow experience is like the only thing, the only like real, negative thing i have to say about the team i really like justice winslow and what he brings to the team i just wish he wouldn't shoot the ball like ever even yeah. if he's like wide open under the hoop but uh i like his rebounding and everything like that josh hart's awesome i i still think that they have a chance to figure it out and get like a five six seed. but don't you think again not we've already gone way long on today's podcast but don't you think they would be better if they had a different head coach no which no. coach like well, that's D'Antoni. a good. That's a good point too. That's a good point. We'd have I mean, to see who you, comes up in the next hiring cycle. But I don't like, know if there's anybody sitting on the couch right now. I don't know if there's some assistant out there who would be huge. There was that one guy that they wanted who was the other name. Um, I can't remember. I can't even remember his name. Yeah. Yeah, but like maybe there's some assistant out there like that who would be you know this great. But I mean, I honestly it just it just comes down to like so they they have a big three of Simons, Lillard, Jeremy Grant. They all average over twenty points. That's awesome, right? when you come down to like when you have when you're going to play milwaukee or phoenix or these other big threes they have things to neutralize our big three so it's Shoot, the thunder just comes down to the thunder neutralized our big three man like well okay so what i'm going to say about that game when lillard <laughs> broke the record they were so consumed by him trying to break that record and they were yelling at the refs and getting teased and they were doing a bunch of uncharacteristic stuff that i think that that moment Fuck that game up. The, the next game, I couldn't tell you. That was yeah, that was just that was. But also, Shy's playing like, I mean, he's an all lights out. Yeah. yeah. All right, gentlemen, appreciate can you as I, always. Uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Zach. I, while you guys were talking about the Blazers, Peyton Bowen officially flipped to Oklahoma. Oh, that's why wow. I was not really commenting on anything because I was a little bit busy. But yeah, it's finalized. So wow, right at the end of the podcast. My Maybe goodness, he'll be a duck in two years. I know. I was thinking, I was like, Jeez. all right, well, transfer portal. That <laughs> you know what so I mean? That's, like, that's David that's, Hicks, then probably to Oklahoma, too. That's interesting. That's interesting. I yeah, thought well, Oklahoma just fired we'll their coach. That was a year ago. 
right? Well, yeah. yeah and I know. they've got That's Will Venable, who was on the hot seat already. But Brent Venables, yeah. Oh, Brent, yeah. Sorry. Um, all right, guys. Yeah, great end of the podcast there. Wow, breaking news. So, yeah, it is, you know, 1246 here on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to do my best to get this podcast out as quickly as possible. But, yeah, breaking news. Peyton Bowen headed to Oklahoma. As always, take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. We appreciate you. We love you. Sorry.
You've been so good to me. You know you make me wanna lift my head up and throw my hands back and come on now, come on now, come on now, come on now, take it easy, take it easy, take it easy, take it easy, a little bit softer now, 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 a little bit softer. A little bit softer now. 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 A little bit louder now. A little bit louder now. A little bit.